Hey, my name is Adam Whitescarver, and I'm the executive director at the Chattanooga House of Prayer, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for listening today, and I hope it encourages you and gives you perspective to see the beauty and the diversity of God's church, both in Chattanooga and the church at large. Thanks for listening. I just want to say a few things on the uh, from the get-go with this episode, mm. David. Uh, first of all, because I think by now someone, there's at least some particular Protestant pastor, like that alliteration, particular Ooh. Protestant pastor, a PPP, yeah. uh, that is questioning my Protestant credentials <laughs> now uh, because I've said so many things uh, or just agreed with you maybe too much. Uh, and I, I do want to still say that uh, I am Protestant and I'm. there are lots of reasons why I'm not a Catholic. In fact, you're in the... Seminary in the Presbyterian Church. Yeah, yes, well, Reformed Theological reformed. Seminary. Yes, okay. Reformed. Uh, so you could be a Reformed Baptist, too. And uh, Okay. Yes, so just so you know, there's there's a confession. There's the Westminster Confession of Faith, and then there's the uh, Baptist Confession. And basically— the, That's the fundamentals? Uh, it, the fundamentals, but fundament, you start saying fundamentals, and people start getting different ideas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, the basics of what we believe, mm-hmm. and uh, the Baptists. This is a this is a dig. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit them <laughs> hit them right here. Uh, they basically just erased like a few parts on baptism, right, w- and plagiarized the rest of the Westminster Confession of Faith. But anyways, I am uh, still a Protestant. Uh, lots of reasons why I am Protestant, uh, but that's uh, not what this podcast is about. Well, that's my understanding is that we're just having a conversation between two human beings who believe in Jesus Christ, and we're modeling what it means to have a conversation and a talk as, as you know, decent human beings, not with vitriol and not with hatred or with a desire, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break you. Right. This is not uh, a game of stump the chump. And I'll let the right. audience decide which one of us is the chump. <laughs> or maybe we're both trying to make each other the chump. Uh, right. Yeah, there's, there's plenty. I mean, there is... A, a thousand videos you can go search and hear right. the polemics and the arguments against uh, why Catholics are right and the Protestants are idiots and why uh, Catholics are idiots and Protestants are so smart. We, but I, I'm convinced uh, it's got to be 97% plus that we're in agreement on. Right. Uh, and so we should. Not, not to minimize the things that we disagree right. about. I mean, that's, we don't want to be reductionist. We both say this is important. Yeah. Right. And we're both. Strong in that, uh, but that's not what we're trying to make right. the whole conversation swirl around. Yeah. So today we're actually going to talk about the biggie, the one that uh, I, I actually I'm ninety percent sure I've got this right. Uh, at least I heard a professor say this, so I haven't seen this in his own writing myself. But Martin Luther. Uh, the arch heretic or the arch uh, reformer, uh, depending on who you are, uh, said he was willing to accept papal primacy mm. if. Well, are we talking papal primacy? No, no. Oh, okay. But he was willing to accept papal primacy if the the Catholic Church would be correct on his, his justification on justification. Mm. That's how big of an issue this is. This is considered the the mother of all issues. So we have to talk about it. I feel like we're not sure. going to be doing it justice. And and uh, and in fact, we already have talked about it. I see your book over there. Yeah. By the way, so you might remember a previous podcast where uh, I mocked David for not having 
uh, for not having his scriptures ready, and then he <laughs> mocked me for not having my Bible ready. Well, today I have disarmed him. I have my Protestant Bible with me, Uh-oh. and I have two books, show and tell time, although there's no show because we're not uh, recording this. I have the JDDJ, that's the shorthand. The Joint Declaration of the, on the, the Doctrine, Doctrine of, of Justification. Justification, and I have a bonus book. It's the, the biblical foundations of the doctrine of justification. Put out by Paulus Press. Yes, it's, it's an ecumenical follow-up to this oh. joint declaration of the doctrine of justification. Now, uh, putting it in layman's terms, this was Lutherans, it was Catholics, and then it was actually there were my church, which would yep, which would be the Reformed, the World Communion of Reformed Churches, and the World Methodist Council. Have all gotten behind this and said, "Hey, yeah. we're in agreement that these things are true." Mm-hmm. Uh, th- it's basically where there's agreement between Protestants mm-hmm. and Catholics. So if you and it's bigger and broader than you would imagine. I think most yes people on the street, you know, you just but I they're not thick books. They're no, not they're thick not. books. Don't be no. afraid. These are it's big print with nice. They space. use big words like hermeneutical. Shh, you're scary. There's a Greek word you're there. Yes, so oh. I'm usually using Latin words. I know you. You just went. Into oh wait, what's my time? I forgot about that. It's five, my... Yeah, it's five five minutes into <laughs> for the Greek reference, but we don't have a Catholic <laughs> reference yet. Uh, Forty seven pages, uh, and that's with the annexes in the back. Now uh, the appendices. I want to make my own caveat. You made a caveat. Yeah, do it. I, my, my caveat is that um, I don't usually come to these prepared. So right, I, neither of I, us I, are are uh, writing a script for this. This is right. all conversation. And it's and it's all just just here. He asked me the question as if we were uh, sitting at a table at a restaurant, and we're just talking about it. I haven't done research and tabbed books and 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 found the scriptures and here's my list of of proof texts. The idea is that we're not doing um, intense theological deconstruction work, right? Uh, or construction, but 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 that rather we're we're just having a good conversation between believers. About the, the 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 thing, but I I think this topic of justification will be very fruitful in our dialogue. Yes, and and so I, I actually do want to recommend those two books to people to to look up at a later time and, and read a, a little bit of it's heady, but it's it's fascinating to see how much of it because I think these help you know it's five hundred years later how how much of what went on during the Reformation was really political. Oh, right. And, and then what what remains that's actually doctrinal? And even the doctrinal things are just nuances of language oftentimes. And oftentimes, I, yeah. I find that to be very tragic. Even in the great schism of the East and West, it was it was very small elements of of doctrine that were nuanced rather than yes major things. I mean even when we talk about the Arian crisis, it was a letter it was a le- one letter, the iota right. from homoousios to homoiousios. The the Arians were willing to say of like substance when we said no, the very same substance. But that one was a, an actual big That's a doctrinal yeah. issue of of quite some import, right? Well, I I think, you know, just a study of church history, real brief broad overview of survey, a lot of uh, schisms that have come about have been political. Some have been, or geopolitical, and really. And they use the excuse of some disputation right. in 
in theology had, as the cover for it. Yeah, the Assyrian Church of the East, when that broke off in 431, mm. they were actually within the Sassanid Empire, which were the mm. arch enemies of the Roman Empire. Mm. And so there were definite political things at work in that one. You also had uh, language barriers. Sure, Greek uh, and Latin and, I don't know, German. Not yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you had uh, so th- there's the, there's a the language, there's the geopolitical stuff, then there's the semantics within that language. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was you know with Chalcedonian Christianity versus the the Monophysites or Miaphysites. So if you're thinking the North African churches, they said uh, it's it's basically come out that there's not really that much of a, a hill of beans worth of difference between a Miaphysite. And a Chalcedonian Christian, and I, I probably need to define these uh, a little better because people are like maybe that's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but all that to say, it was uh, it was it was semantics in large part for that one, and it also had to do with politics. Uh, and then there's actual um, doctrinal emphasis. Uh, it's not doctrinal differences; right. it's just doctrinal emphasis. We might emphasize the imminent. Trinity, uh, or somebody else might emphasize the transcendent Trinity, but we believe the same thing about the Trinity. Right. Or uh, emphasizing the humanity of Christ versus emphasizing the deity of Christ. Oh, and it's, and it's, which, it's, one are you, which one are you emphasizing? Which is funny because that's exactly what I just said, but used fancy terms. Okay, But yeah. like the imminent trinity would be like the incarnate uh, Christ, like the incarnation, his humanity, and transcendent would be... The, the You're right. I wasn't divinity. even processing what you were but, thinking because I was doing that thing of not listening and yeah. <laughs> but isn't that funny how th- yes that already I, I said said it yeah. one way you said it yeah. another way we said the same thing but we thought that we were on the opposite sides of things or giving yeah. different examples. Yeah, you got me. So so there you go. See, we just use different languages uh, right there, and praise God that he uh, he he built in an example that I wasn't even. Uh, Tracking with them on providence. until afterwards. Yes, providence. Mm. The Lord is with us in this podcast. So, uh, and, and then, and then, lastly, <laughs> that's, yes. a, that's a different conversation. And then, lastly, there is actual true doctrinal difference. Do you say doctrinal or doctrinal? Hmm. If you had asked me just to read it, I want. I wonder what I would have said. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't actually doctrinal. I probably would have said doctrinal. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have said doctrinal. Yeah, I'm probably – that's probably the South coming out of Doctrinal. me. Doctrinal. Doctrinal. Yeah. Mm. I could look it up. You know what else, though? There's a – the word discern, it's discern if you look discern. it up in the dictionary. Discern. But I'm like, it, it doesn't feel right. It should be discern. Well, you, have to, you have to discern what's, what's right for it's, yourself. It's okay. discern in the dictionary. It's like oh, – Like gosh. a Z? Yeah, like a discern. Discern. I had to look. Does it, it have that like upside down e kind of thing on it? Zer, er, the er. Uh, I had them just. I just pressed yeah. the thing. Oh, oh and it, it said it. Said it for me. Yeah, I don't look at those little symbols usually. Yeah, you had yeah. Siri tell you how to pronounce. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah. I mean, we just Siri and Wikipedia. It's where we're getting our yeah. whole education these days. That just uh, eliminated all credibility for the rest of the podcast, both uh, <laughs> after and before what we've said thus far. So, anyway, does anybody ever say potato? You know the song. You I don't think potato. those people exist. I don't think those people exist. I've never met one. <laughs> potato. 
or nor the tomato people. Yeah, tomato. Well, I've heard of people saying tomato. Have you actually heard yeah. someone say that in a yeah, sentence? I, I want to heard. eat those tomatoes. Yes, I have. But potato, I have not. Okay, I think that's just made up. Okay, and what about Missouri and Missouri? Now I have heard that because I went to school for four years in Northwest Missouri. 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 I think the state actually voted on that, and they said either is okay. The politicians. Just, I always called it. Just the, went with everyone. I always just called it the state of misery. Oh gosh! <laughs> My puns started already right. a pun. Yes. <laughs> all right. So let's that all that is a precursor of uh, what goes into this uh, doctrine of justification, how we're saved. Um, let's let's still move in the direction of what do we have in common? Uh, let's. First of all, are we saved from something? Are we actually oh, there saved? You go. Original sin. G.K. Chesterton says the most provable of Christian doctrines. Yes. Uh, what is it? Muggeridge says something like it's the most empirically verifiable, verifiable. Uh, reality in history, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're broken. That's the way I put character. I mean, we're, there's something not quite right here. Yep. Right? And, yep. and I think that's the common experience of humanity. I, I mean... No, no argument. It it seems like people. I don't understand how, actually how people get to the place of like we're not fundamentally broken. I don't know how. Like you, this is the way I'm supposed to be. Yeah, or or that the world. If you just fixed maybe a system, we'd finally get it right this time. I think there's a lot of people that try to delude themselves to that end. Yes, but I don't know how you get there. I don't either. I don't know how you would maintain that hope. Uh, in for very long. You have to well, be because young. the reality would confront you and not know much his- history. Yeah. Right. You'd have to you'd have to com- completely ignore all of humanity before you and also all the people around you. Just put blinders on and the stuff within yourself. Right. Yeah. So original sin, we can agree on that. We can agree on that and uh that there is a a place called hell. Yeah, so I obviously we have now it, it, does everybody understand that? I mean, obviously, we could have another conversation Catholics about and Protestants yes. that are. But even like, there's this whole debate about universalism, uh, apocastasis. Sure, fancy that is huge right now. It is. That's, I think it's a grave error that's floating around. It always, uh, you know, I was, I did a little bit of homework on this. It goes up in times where things, um, where evil's not so obvious. So, for mm. example, that doctrine Affluent lost a lot times. of credibility. Uh, during World War II, and it lost it immediately after 9-11. In the so States. in other words, people were ready to believe in hell that previously hadn't because they saw something tragic? Correct. And or, they knew, or true evil. True evil, and they knew that there has to be a place for that that's separate from where I hope to be. Sure. Yep. Okay. And then we have to be careful about that. We don't want people to be in hell. Right. That, that, that we're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to want people to be in hell. None of us hopes for that. Right. right. But— but we, uh, but we God definitely takes no pleasure in the death of no, the wicked. Right. He wills that they be converted and live. Uh, but but that there is a space. So as a, the way I always characterize it is that there is a hell. Yep. And it is populated. Right. Beyond that, we don't make any more definitive statements. Right. We we might even take we might take a guess. We might say this person didn't seem to evidence <laughs> things that would say. We have great hope for them to be right. in heaven, uh, but perhaps there's something that uh, happened that we don't know about. Right. 
you know, just saying it definitively. I think that's a, you know, uh, Protestants, um, especially an evangelical provident, uh, Protestant, which I hate to really use that word. So it's because, kind of a broad brush. It well, evangelical always... now is such a confused term. Yeah. Uh, right now, people are thinking this. It means one thing, and it's used, been mm. used so much politically uh, with the last election. Like even derogatorily. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, As if to evangelize or be evangelical is a bad thing. Right, to say that there's a yeah. there's a there's an actual truth, and that we believe it, and we want well, and it has become a bad thing in a relativized society. Absolutely, and you know, to to propose a way of a truth to propose a. a a set of beliefs as if they were true. And is, that they're exclusive of things that are not true. There it is. And, and that is hateful to a relativistic society. Yes, where everything, right? regardless of how preposterous it is. And so maybe there's there's a dialogue uh, commonality between the two of us. That we, we both would say that there is objective truth. Right. Okay, that's good. Right, very good. Uh, and that and then that matters for justification, that salvation is through Jesus Christ right. alone. But but to get back to where I was going with that, you know, uh, Protestants, evangelical Protestants, look for usually a moment of conversion. Right. That 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 I saw the light moment. Yeah. Yes. I was to start singing a song, um, which which can be problematic pastorally for some people. I n- I never had a particular conversion right. moment. And there are lots of Protestants that say this and sometimes yeah. feel left out of their Protestant yeah. churches because they say, well, "I grew up in church and." Really, uh, it just there. I can't remember a moment where it even all dawned on me. I just this is what I've always believed, kind of a thing. And you can make the continuous, like daily conversion and the daily uh, movements. And there's times when you have greater um, affective experiences of faith, right? But it's not like that. Oh, now I'm. I wasn't a Christian. Now I am a Christian. Right. Because that, for me, I mean, I Catholics. That that's something that the, you guys minor. Surrounded. Yeah. Minor on you. You usually have the people that have grown up in it and where they're alive and vibrant in their the faith. Cradle Catholic. It, 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 yeah. Well, but cradle Catholic. Yeah, it's a different connotation. Some, yeah, but. sometimes people just mean, oh, well, you just are culturally a Catholic. But but Which for the that, people that have a vibrant faith, a lot of it just came through great discipleship. Yeah. The, for Catholics, that's seen, and and I see that with Protestants that don't necessarily say I had a conversion mm-hmm. experience that I can point back to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I certainly had those those moments in my life where. Um, you know, th- th- there was thick, you know, thick lines drawn in the sand for me. Right. But but even as I raise my children, I'm like, they're going to be based off what my uh, kids knew at four years old, mm. um, and how vibrant I saw their faith. They're not going to have a living memory of a conversion experience. Yeah, yeah. But to that point, also, like many times in in my life of faith, I have gotten to a place where I've been so anxious or so worried or I've I've fallen in some way or I've 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 gotten so uh out of sorts that I've, I like like Peter you know he's sinking in the water and he says you know save me Jesus save me and I I've had those moments where I've done that and there has been grace in right. response and I have experienced that like multiple times right Jesus save me and he does and so I, maybe if it's it wasn't like I was Living some debauched pagan, you know, life completely separated from him before, and now uh, I'm living fully in in his grace. But I, but there are these continual conversions that happen even in the life of a believer, right? So right. there's an by analogy we and, would understand what it's like, right? And Protestants would would look for that too, yeah. uh, growth in grace for sure. Um, I 
I guess where I'm where I'm trying to go is you know when we're talking about those moments where where someone's dying, uh, we would say we we certainly usually look for those moments of conversion, especially mm-hmm. if somebody's lived a godless life and then on their right. deathbed, right? Um, you know we don't we don't know what um, what they were hearing, what they were uh, could they be converted on their deathbed mm-hmm. to say definitively well. We don't know their level of consciousness, so we're sure they're in hell. Mm. <laughs> uh, that's that's a line too far for Protestants. But typically, we look for some sort of something that shows they, this person uh, came to Christ for us to say they would have gone to heaven. Am I making sense there? Sure. You're, we, you're, we do the you were same saying thing. the definitive line. Yeah. The definitive line is such a harsh uh, – I mean, ultimately – you can know. We would say you can know when someone is in heaven, right? Which I believe you can say the same thing. That's that's what that's, canonization of a saint is all about. That right. person is in heaven, right? But we would not say um, definitively. In hell. We know for sure that person's burning in hell right now, right? We would not. We would not. Uh, there are some Protestants, I think, uh, certainly that that say that, but but just that's a pastorally. Unwise. Now, no matter how we sure would say I for might sure, think I might be that this person is in hell. Don't think that imitating so and so's life is going to get you to heaven, right? Because it probably won't. Right. This is not <laughs> a good. Is such and such the person in hell? Well, we're not going to go that far, but we know that the, he, he was not on the right path for heaven. Sure. Yeah. Or that they their life did not evidence any moment of of coming to Christ, uh, of receiving his salvation. And of course, we make the distinction with like. Venial sin and mortal sin. Right. Mortal sin being like, it was a grave evil that you did. You had full freedom to choose not to do it. And you had f- uh, full knowledge of what it was. And you did it anyway. That, I mean, and that breaks your relationship with God. And if you die in mortal sin, God, God help you. Literally, like, you know, that mm-hmm. you, you've got no, you've kind of spurned God's offer of grace. You've kind of stiff armed him. And right. said, I'm going to do this anyway. Um, we say people that die in mortal sin do go to hell. Now, who's the one that judges if you died in mortal sin or not? Not you and not me. It's God. So we run the, we, we can defi- definitively say if you die in mortal sin, deadly sin, if you die unrepentant of mortal sin. Which, if I'm putting this in Protestant terms, just because we're, we're, Part of this dialogue is to understand what in the world we're talking about. You are saying probably, I think, in in Protestant terms. Um, now, now, there's first of all, there's different uh, theologies here. There's the once saved, always saved. There's the right. you were saved before the foundation of the world, and you will persevere to the end if you were really the of God. Yeah. Uh, and if you were not of God, you would choose against Him. And then there's some that would say you can lose your salvation, which we would say. Uh, so for the Protestants that believe along those lines or would term it in those ways, this would be the person who is saying, not like I slipped into sin and I messed up and I'm sorry for it. This is the person who says, I deliberately went in the direction of sin, mm. sort of like as a point in the middle finger up at God. I'm, mm. I'm done with you. I don't like you. I'm, I'm choosing to go against you. I reject you and mm-hmm. your will very deliberately, very willfully, mm-hmm. um, with full understanding of how terrible it is that, of what I'm doing is wrong. Right. Is, is this, am I yes. correct? Yeah. This is not like some, I was just accidentally uh, did this, or I didn't even know that was wrong. Right. So absolutely. So okay, we, so we say that mortal that's a safe, sin. Uh, parallel? Yes. Or, or comparison? You can't, okay. you can't accidentally fall into mortal sin. Okay. 
See that so that would be so for a Protestant, depending on your theology, you would this is uh, this is somebody who would have chosen to reject God, came to yes. Christ and and departed. Uh, it's it's a deliberate move. It has to and be you're, that's what you're calling like a bad thing. Sin. Has to be freely chosen, and it has to be you have to with full knowledge of what you're doing. And, I, and see, I think this is important because this is this is a big bugabear, bugaboo, whatever, yeah. uh, where where Protestants rib on Catholics. And and what I'm trying to point out here is that we do we we have a we have a similar category of thought. Mm. We don't name it the same thing right. at all. Again, back to the beginning of our right. episode. Here. We don't name it the same thing at all. And and I do think and there and just to be clear, we are covering this in broad brushstrokes. There's nuances right. to what we're saying. Right. But in the, is there a large category of thinking here where there are parallels between Protestant and Catholic thought? Yes. Yes. Okay. So then there's venial sin, which would be well, that's the the, the venial uh, the, the venial these things that just they just come up in the day, right? Um, your proclivities, your your habits that are bad, you know. Uh, boy, I have that little swear word that I say, you know, dead gummit or whatever, you know. Maybe this probably even a, a, there's blasphemous words you could say, but you could just use vulgar words, and it just He's is not part going of to say those here because we're Christians. Bleep bleep bleep. The children, yeah, the children. <laughs> But you know that, that, that those kind of bad habits that you have, right? That are that are not necessarily free. You're not free, right? Right. You're addicted of so, of sorts right. to the world, and so you say, "Man, I'm gonna have an extra donut hole," and that's you know that's a venial gluttony. <laughs> you of crossed sorts, into you know? gluttony. You know, like, <laughs> were one donut hole away <laughs> from that venial. You cross this line. <laughs> oh, that sweet succulent. <laughs> The Powdered Rubic- sugar. <laughs> the Rubicon <laughs> of gluttony. <laughs> oh. Right. So I'm that's feeling conviction right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, fair. Okay. So. So we can agree on sin. We can see, we agree on the presence of hell, the existence of hell. Yes. Okay. So these and are all is, primers for justification. Because we, you know, I, I, when, we, when you get to the place where Jesus Christ uh, basically came and died for nothing, you undermine the entire narrative. Correct. It's it, it ends up becoming a super pointless story and super pointless action and super pointless. Uh, like, why'd you do that, God? It, it actually was to save some, right. you know, to save you from your sins, and it wasn't uh, just an exercise of. Uh, of pageantry, you know. So we have to be careful because some people would say, "Well, you're just propping up, uh, you know, the uh, the sinfulness of humanity to justify what what Jesus did." Well, you know, the cart becomes doesn't doesn't come before the horse in this. We're not just propping up because we want to defend the Christian version of of, of the story and you know make more of of what Jesus did. No, it's because we hit the brick wall of original sin. We know ourselves to be broken, and that's a moment of faith. Right, right, uh, and and it does take an ascent of faith to something that seems so obvious to us, and then once you're there, in order to avoid despair, well, now that I'm broken, will I ever be fixed? Right, God comes in in His mercy and says, "Yes, I will it. I do will it. Be right. healed." Right. right, He says in the scriptures. So um, that this the, His His death on the cross was purposeful and intended, and that we're not just making this up. Right, right, and and it is good, you know, that we have. This is not like, um, you know, another religion where we just said, 
uh, our our person that was prophetic or extra spiritual said this was true. Mm-hmm. This was a matter of history, mm-hmm. and uh, we have historical sources that we can go back to. It says Jesus Christ actually was a real person who lived and who died. There were Greek, there were Roman, there were Jewish, there were pagan historians that all testified to these mm-hmm. sorts of things. And and so now we've got this as the bedrock of what actually happened. Mm-hmm. And this didn't just happen in a vacuum or for no reason or as a mere gesture. It was actual work that God did to right. bring about salvation Intended to will. save us from something that is actually real and tangible yes. that we have evidence for, uh, and that and and to save us from hell. Uh, Agreed. And, and I think we. Um, we could, but I, I think we should probably not go here as far as defining actually what hell is exactly like. Well, that maybe is a different. Podcast. That's probably a totally different episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but it's important to say that's that's what actually. Let's just say you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there, and let's just let's just pause uh, and define it just a tiny bit. Is it a place where we just dissolve into nothing and we disappear and? Uh, it's it's done. Oh yeah, that that's another heresy that we would say is this annihilationism. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't think that that can be sustained with the uh, scriptural evidence, nor from the whole uh, evidence of the fathers of the church and the consistent. Certainly not the fathers, right? Yeah. That annihilationism is is not uh, consistent with um, uh, Orthodox Christianity. Interesting, you know. Um, there's a debate and, you know, there's Protestants that go hard on this and Protestants that go light on this. So Mm. for example, Seventh-day Adventists, which I know some great guys in the Seventh-day Adventist Mm. church, um, you know, I, I had to really do some homework on them to determine like, gosh, people Mm. call them a cult. People call them a heresy. People say, ah, they're legit Orthodox, but they're, they're just bad theology. Are they kind of like, like Messianistic Jews kind of thing? Like, or they're more like all on that side? They, I mean, they they like, came out of the Millerite movement, which was basically Jesus is going to come back, and he didn't come back when yeah. they thought he would, and so it, it the theology morphed a bit over time, and they had Ellen White, which was a, but they have a lot of in- emphasis on the Ju- Judea Judaic law. I mean, obviously, like Seventh Day being the Sabbath day of the Jews, and the, the, the dietary. They're not they're not Messianic Jews, but yes, I mean, I can see from your perspective uh, where you might. Mm. feel or look at them that way uh you know but they're they're annihilationists are they okay see i didn't know that yeah, they're, they're annihilationists yeah and so and there was a famous gosh uh beloved theologian of uh world renown in the mm. protestant church that i believe in the 80s his name's john stott he came out as a mm-hmm. um as an annihilationist and he said i've held this position for a while mm. i don't know how you can emotionally uh sort of not go crazy, mm-hmm. my paraphrase, not his words, uh, if if you believe in an eternal conscious torment of hell. Well, see, the way we would come at it, I hear people using compassion and arguments from emotion uh, to say, isn't it horrible to have somebody uh, suffer forever in hell? Wouldn't it be better for them to cease to exist? It's kind of the same analogy that is used or same sentiments that are used in euthanasia arguments. Like right. this compassion, well, suffering is bad, and so we want to cut it out. Whereas the Catholic perspective, we've always, you know, this would be like a Thomistics, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas kind of, of, well, existing is better than not existing. And if God uh, is the only one that makes you exist and keeps you in existence, because we believe that too, if he wills it, you stop 
to exist, right? But if he wills you to exist, you exist. And so that even his keeping you in existence in hell is itself a good. And that God can't do some evil by causing you to cease to exist, right? Because that would, that, that there would be an evil in that to cause you to cease to exist. It's because to be is better than not to be. That is the that is the answer to the question. Right. Shakespeare poses right, right. To be is better than not being, and that even his holding you in existence in hell is an act of charity, is, a, is, an, is an act of love for God to keep you in existence, and that it would be kind of inconsistent for him to just kind of go and you're gone, just annihilation. I'm sorry I ever made you. I anyway that that's one way of looking at that. Right. It's it's certainly uh, a place of tough questions and lots of, of discomfort, Yeah, uh, which I don't think that there's a, um, uh, something, it's not something that should make us feel comfortable. Really. It is a, it is an you, uncomfortable. You shouldn't like hell and right? you shouldn't like judgment and you shouldn't like uh, all this kind of stuff. Well, yeah. you know, I, I say we should, there's a sense in which we should love judgment. I mean, there's the Psalms no, where it talks about loving the, the opposite, judgments of the God that bring righteousness and justice to the yeah. earth kind of a thing. No, love, loving and liking are two different things. Uh, uh, I see your distinction. Yeah. So, we, I mean, it's it, judgment is going to be a hard time. Mm. Now, we can love hard times, you know, just like people that really love a good hard day, days of work because they see the value in it, right? But, right. The, but it's, not, it's not like you love ripping your muscles. Right. I you know it. what I mean? Right. Anyway, I, it, we can get into it. Sem- yeah. semantics again. Now, so we've got hell, we've got sin and, and the brokenness of humanity. Um, saved from a truly bad place, right? Saved from a truly bad place. And, oh, yeah, and, a, bad, talk- and a bad reality, just imagine um, living without any rescue or hope from right. of regeneration of your right. of yourself and your actions. It's not like, let's, let's, let's do it over like uh, Hindu kind of reincarnationism. Or right. But then we have the, the, the one who does this saving. It's not me. Right. Pelagianism or something like that. And it's not another God. It is the one true God made manifest in Jesus Christ. So we can believe in the salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. So there's there's a put of commonality. Even if we were to talk about uh, things like co-redemption or, or participation, or right. we can get into all those things if we want. But but we do believe as Catholics in the, the unique and sole redemption, mediation, um, Salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. So we, we can put all the errors or you know whatever you. And think. it is only yeah. through Him that we are saved. Only through Him. Yep. There's only one name under under the Acts heavens upon which the you know, man yep. can be saved. Right. So actually, we're going to have to stop there because we've already 34 minutes in. We're going to I think we'll have Part to two. pick some of this up at, yeah in a, in another minute. But thank you for listening to a beautiful church podcast. I'm your host Adam Whitescarver here with the Reverend David Carter, and I forgot to mention. We're in the Basilica again. I don't think we actually ever record at uh, in our studio, so to speak, anymore. We, had, we just have a mobile studio at this point. Uh, but tune in on our next episode. Tune in. That's so old school broadcast. Nobody tunes in. Yeah, no, one, no one does it. Listen in on the next episode. Click in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. 
The Chattanooga House of Prayer is a nonprofit ministry based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we are seeking the transformation of our city through unified prayer, worship, and action. I want to give a special thank you to those of you who give generously to this ministry. We have just learned over the years that many hands make light work, and it is because of you that we can continue this important mission. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit chathop.org. That's C-H-A-T-T-H-O-P.org slash podcast for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, share it on your social media, and tag us at Chattanooga House of Prayer. Thanks again for listening.